This is Behind the DM Screen. It is December of 2019, and uh, I am not here with my usual crew of uh, Mike Shea and Sam Dillon. Mike Shea has to run off and do things to get ready for uh, his trip to PAX, uh, and so he couldn't make it tonight, and so we got Robert to fill in uh, ably. I mean, honestly, it's, let's, let's, let's be clear. It's an upgrade. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so uh, we were supposed to just have the three of us with Sam, and then Sam got caught up in a New York snowstorm and somehow lost his power. So um, at, as of, mm-hmm. I don't know, an hour or so ago when I texted him to see if, you know, hey, if your power comes back, let, you know, let us know so you can come on. Uh, his response was, well, uh, it's been over an hour with no power, and the website says there's no ETA for fixing it. So... Ouch. That doesn't sound nice, especially in a snowstorm. Yeah. That's the worst time to lose power. I'd say you're going to make it a cold night, yeah. Yeah. So so we got Robert Aducci instead. Hi, Robert. Hey. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. I think you've been on the show before. Is that correct? I think so, probably. Yeah, yeah like the Tome show. I don't know if, if – I don't think I've been on this show before. I don't know that you've been on Behind the DM Screen before, but I think you've been yeah, on yeah. some Tome show stuff with us before. Yeah. Uh, but not nearly mm-hmm. enough. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, glad to have you here, and, and hopefully uh, first of many appearances on the Tome Show. So in any case, uh, back to the normal uh, opening. Uh, be- this is Behind the DM Screen. It is, I guess, two DMs talking about the, uh, their games and helping each other out, and that's the, the shtick. Uh, I get to go first, and I didn't get my timer ready to go. So let me make that happen now. I get 15 minutes, although we always go over time. And given that there's only two mm-hmm. of us, we could probably go well over time if we really wanted to. Although I don't know that I have a sure. ton of extra stuff to talk about uh, this time around. Um, normally in my current group, it's been really nice because we play every week. Uh, I've been able to in in my uh, my elderly life now to convince my wife that that was okay. Um <laughs> And so we play every week now, every Friday night, um, and that's been going really well, except that I had to go to a conference in Texas a couple weeks ago, and then, um, you know, things happen, and so um, we haven't played a ton. The other reason I don't have as much to talk about is uh, people who have heard the previous episode, um, which... We're streaming this one. Uh, we've started try- doing that. For those of you who listen to the, the uh, podcast, we've been streaming our recordings. If you want to get them right away without having to wait for editing uh, at twitch.tv slash tomeshow. Uh, and I usually tweet out about it before, as we're about to start. So you can look for it there. Um, and and I, by, by we've started doing it, I mean we've done it once and then we did a test unboxing video of the Platinum Edition of Descent into Avernus that Tracy and I got uh, that we'll be talking about in a later episode. Um, so anyway, uh, so you, you make point being, if you're listening to this now, you may be hearing it out of order if, you, if you're not waiting for the audio to come out because I don't think the audio from last month has come out yet. Um, <laughs> So I talked about last month how I had changed a bit of Dragon Heist. Have you run Dragon Heist, Robert? Yep, yep, right. I ran it. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So um, I changed a bit of it in that I didn't want to um, 
I didn't want to use Grawlhund, uh, what is it, Manor or Villa or whatever it is, uh, mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. of the investigation piece. And so I was looking at the um, the DMs Guild um, product, um, what is it, the Lost Tales that a lot of the, that some of the adepts worked on, including mm-hmm. James and Intercasso, who worked yeah. on the the book and whatever. I don't I don't know that. Did, did you work on that one by chance? Yeah. Oh, did you? Oh, oh yeah. no, I did not work on oh, it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. James. James. Yeah, James did, yeah. Yeah, I knew James did. Um, so I started looking at that one, and that one had some neat ideas in that in that it highlighted um, factions that I was kind of more interested in highlighting, right? Uh, some of the alternatives in there highlight the, the Castellanter issue a little bit more, and that's my main villain. It mm-hmm. also highlights the highlights Brigandareth a little bit more, and that's not one of my mm-hmm. main villains, but it's it's a faction that if not my players, the but between the players and the PCs, there's a lot of interest, I guess, uh, in that um, that mm-hmm. faction because I have one player who's a, who's a, an old school uh, Forgotten Realms fan, and so he's always very excited to see um, you know Jarlaxle and and Brigandareth show up and that kind of stuff. So right. so there's interest there, and so so there's this uh, alternative um, option there that instead of going to Grawlhund Villa, they go to they find the, the Nim's creation um, with mm-hmm. uh, they track it down to um, sort of a, a hideout or a safe house or whatever that that some um, drow trying to get back in good with Jarl Axel you know has been sort of outcast from Brigandareth trying to get back in um, and so is going through this process of sealing the stone and now is is laying low in the safe house for the the heat to die down so to speak uh, and then to make mm-hmm. things even more complicated I then relocated that safe house and put it inside of Blue Alley are you familiar with that product yeah yeah, so I put it in Blue Alley. Uh, so they had to go into Blue Alley to get to the safe house, and so um, they found. Then they find themselves in Blue Alley, and that introduced a bunch of new complications. And I talked a little bit about sort of that first um, appearance in Blue Alley, uh, and and finding the the safe house and whatever, and that's great. Now you've done what you needed to do, and Nim's creation, of course, got away. And I introduced this whole thing where um, they have a map that's going to. L- Highlight a certain location in the City of the Dead, which is the the mausoleum that they'll go to, right? Uh, but it's triggered mm-hmm. to go on a certain phase of the moon because I wanted to give them some more downtime to take care of a bunch of these faction quests and side quests that they just haven't had time to mm-hmm. deal with. And I figure uh, as I've looked through the adventure, once it sort of hits this point, once the fireball hits, it kind of runs full bore till the end. Um, so I right. wanted to, I wanted to give them some downtime to deal with other things. So that's what I ended up doing, and it ended up giving them a good amount of downtime. There's like 17 days of downtime, uh, and so they, which is good because I wanted them to have time not just to deal with these faction missions, but to to deal with some of the ones that I've introduced from other products that involve them actually leaving mm-hmm. the city for a little bit. Um, and so, so I, I, I got into that, and then I ran into this hiccup of I expected Blue Alley to be like an in and out one sort of session thing. And it took uh-huh. th- it took three sessions to get through Blue Alley, <laughs> right? Nice. And they had a blast, so I'm not complaining. Other than it just messed up my pacing because I didn't realize it was going to take that long, right? I, I do mm-hmm. things like um, I publish a an issue of the Waterdeep Wazoo every session. 
nice. that's, that sort of, you know, talks about some of the things going on in the city, but then it also, you know, every now and then it's like, oh yeah, and, and here's some things that you've been doing that the city has taken notice of or whatever, you know? Um, like they took the, mm-hmm. they had that's the, awesome. they had the one faction mission where they had the, where Brigandareth had them like deliver that article about um, demon worshippers or devil worshippers or whatever amongst the nobles. And so mm-hmm. I actually then had that article in that the next wazoo, whatever. Uh, so that, that's been working really well. They really like it. And then I ran into this problem because they spend three sessions in Blue Alley, but it's a total of like three, four hours. Like they're not mm-hmm. – you know, I can't keep publishing new issues of the wazoo for the exact same day, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Right, um, right, right. <laughs> so I went to uh, – to, there's a Facebook group that's something like uh, Waterdeep Journalists. All for mm. D- DMs who are doing similar types of things, right? They're publishing newsletters and stuff as they're running cool. Dragon Heist, right? Yeah, so there's a bunch of people nice. there thinking about this stuff. They've got good ideas. I asked them, hey, what would you do? And they're like, well, there's more than one newspaper in Waterdeep. Maybe publish a different <laughs> newspaper for the same day uh, and see what that different perspective is, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then I started introducing this um, – I've started layering in because I know I'm doing Descent into Avernus next because I bought the Platinum Edition. And I definitely want to play with that, right? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so, so I know I'm going to be moving into that next. So I've started sort of layering in um, Easter eggs or cameos now that will pay off then. Mm-hmm. So this second newsletter, That's awesome. I, the second newsletter I wrote for this day was um, the Vigilant Citizen, which is an actual Waterdeep uh, news, uh, newspaper. I looked up actual titles mm-hmm. of Waterdeep newspapers, uh, but that's, th- that's awesome. You know, because that's the kind of geek I am. Um, <laughs> and I discovered that, uh, or I decided that um, the Vigilant Citizen is actually being funded by the Van Thamper family out of uh, out of Boulder's Gate, right? So now mm-hmm. they've got this. Nice. Now that that name is sort of in the ethos. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing I did was, and I talked about this on the last session, but you weren't here, obviously. Um, they're in Blue Alley. Part of what they do is they're trying to get this this unicorn statue from Mert, right? That's the big, the big mm-hmm. MacGuffin. And then it turns out when you get it and get it outside of the Blue Alley, the unicorn is alive and it wants to be freed. And I'm thinking, well, but Mert's not a bad guy. Why would he keep this unicorn against its will? Um, and so I played it out as, well, the unicorn actually made a bad deal and, and <laughs> it wants to be free, but once Mert reminds it, yes, but once you're free, um, you'll get dragged down into hell because you made this bad deal with a devil, right? And then the yes. unicorn con- concedes and says, okay, you're fine. You're right. I, this is my way of hiding. So I don't have to, to be dragged into hell until we can find some mm-hmm. sort of a loophole or whatever. But I, but the unicorn I named, and I, I plan on bringing back because there is a location in Avernus, in Descent into Avernus, where a unicorn has been captured and is being used to to power uh, a trap to to kill demons. So I'm like, well, nice. ob- obviously this is That's the same. This is the same unicorn, yeah, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I did some more of that. So after they finished Blue Alley, which again took uh, two more sessions beyond what I discussed in the last recording. 
Um, and and they enjoyed it. It went it went well. They had fun. Uh, the puzzle nature with a little bit of combat mixed in and the weird quirkiness and eccentricness uh, was all a, a good time for everybody. And then they got out and and they were the heroes. You know, they they pop up in the yawning portal and Dernan says, "Ah, oh, you survived!" And, and you know, slides them in ale and, and congratulates mm-hmm. them and whatever. Um, and that all went well. Um, and then I had a player who has kind of been. I don't know if he's been losing interest in his character. Like I've been building this character up as, as something closely tied to the storyline of the campaign. Um, mm-hmm. But he keeps drifting towards not wanting to play it anymore. And I'm not sure, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a new group and I'm not sure the dynamics yet. And I'm not sure if this is a, the kind of player who, who's always trying to play with the new shiny thing. Right. Uh, and so he right. had, he had a new idea for a character and he just was eager to do it. Uh, I'm not sure mm-hmm. how much this player was um, was turned off, so to speak, with changes that were happening with the character because he made a character that was a changeling uh, and created mm-hmm. sort of a backstory and, and a history as to why that was in the Forgotten Realms where changelings aren't really a thing. Um, and mm-hmm. we and we built into this whole story and whatever and then had this opportunity, uh, had this situation happen where I was about to have a TPK in the group mm-hmm. uh, playing one of the adventures from Tales of the Old Margrave, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a Cobalt Press product uh, yeah. in this ancient mm-hmm. forest, which I had appear outside of Waterdeep uh, with, within the mist because my, my, I, don't, I don't know if you've caught, a, caught up with my, my larger campaign arc, but the idea is that um, Barovia used to be located in the place that is now Waterdeep. And so uh, the old Margrave was actually taken as part of Barovia, and now it has come back. And nobody knows why. After thousands of years, suddenly this ancient, mm-hmm. sentient forest appears outside of Waterdeep. What the heck is going on? Well, that's because eventually after uh, Dragon Heist is done, I'm going to transition into Curse of Strahd. And they'll be in that same mm-hmm. place. And there's a whole uh, meta arc that's going to happen there that makes it all make sense. Nice. Uh, and so they, they were about to die, uh, and then I stole an idea from um, from Mike Shea's, um, was it Sly Flourish's Fantastic Adventures, the Grindelroot one that hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. in that adventure, there is this vampire queen that can speak to the forest. And so I stole that idea and put it in the, put her in the Margrave and said there's a vampire queen who shows up, and there's the one character who's still alive and has like two hit points. And if she's willing to make a blood sacrifice in the form of permanent hit point loss, um, then the the queen, the vampire queen, um, will give them a, a fighting chance. And by fighting chance, um, it I meant that I basically gave every uh, unconscious PC was healed D6 hit points. So not much. And the one character who was mm-hmm. the changeling who had actually died already, like straight up dead at that point, I had come back, but as a damn fear, which is sort of the, the vampire um, related race from, right. um, uh, from Cobalt mm-hmm. press. Right. Uh, and so I'm not sure if he was like turned off by the change in race. Like he was really looking forward to making the, playing this sort of troublemaker uh, changeling. Uh, or if mm. it was just that he built a new character and he was all excited about it, he bought a mini for it and everything. So oh, I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not planning on changing. I'm not planning on changing. And then two weeks later, you know, I think I want to play this new character. Yeah, we all saw that coming. You know, so um, <laughs> so yeah. So there was a little bit of like conversation there. Like, is is your character sincerely like wanting to run off and do her own thing and deal with this thing of of trying to find the wizard that cursed her his her mom and became the first changeling and whatever 
um, or how much of it is just you as a as a player are interested in changing characters because you know I'm not going to force somebody to play a character they're they're not interested in right 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 and so I built in this whole thing like. I, I let him run off into the in, into Undermountain. He found the the wizard that cursed uh, that cursed his mom, and and uh, it turns out the wizard is Halister, right? Um, the the archmage of Undermountain, mm-hmm. uh, who in my larger mashup story arc is actually the champion of one of the dark powers uh, of mm-hmm. of Ravenloft, who's escaped. If you mm-hmm. remember. The Amber Temple. One of the sarcophagi has been busted open. Well, yeah. the, the story is that that sarcophagi has been busted open, uh, and that dark power escaped into Faerun and has been manipulating uh, situations and using Halister as a champion for thousands of years. Right. Nice. So it's all coming together and working out, and so uh, Halister meets with the, this character, and, and it's all like. Hey, I can totally fix you, but it's not going to be free. You can either mm-hmm. work for me as my apprentice for the next 10 years, you know, well, that's not likely to happen, right? And I knew that. Or <laughs> something is, is going to happen to you in the near future. It may be tomorrow. It may be in, in you know, six months, but something is going to happen to you. You're going to be taken away by the mists and uh, you will serve as my agent in that situation. And, and, by, and the, the way you need to do that is to make sure you come home. Right, because in coming home means defeat Strahd, Barovia comes back, uh, and it, it sort of becomes interposed on top of Waterdeep. But then, of course, the Amber Temple is there too, and Halister can free um, the other um, the other dark powers, and that turns into my sort of meta arc for the end, end game for the campaign. Right, re-imprisoning the dark mm-hmm. powers. And so he he was all through that. He was he was into that, and then he got he got out of the the. Undermountain, he got back to um, the Trollskull Manor, met up with the rest of the group who, who's like, what are you here for? We thought you left the party. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, it uh, turns out I'm, I'm okay here, uh, but actually I'm still leaving tomorrow because it turns out the player was – like as much as I ingrained this character into the story, the player was like, I want to go play my new dwarven barbarian, right? And so mm. – so we, we played that out. And so so that other character is still running around. And I think I plan mm-hmm. on using that character in the future, if if not as a backup um, for – as a backup in case, in case what, you know, his character dies or whatever. I, I can always pull her out as an NPC, right? Right. Uh, uh, um, Ishmael is talking in the chat about how we might actually be under an hour because we only have two people. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> I, I'm going to talk at least for a half an hour because I've only gotten through a little bit of my stuff already. <laughs> so. And I'm running three campaigns, so. <laughs> There's plenty to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. Um, so anyway, so that happened. He, he changed out his character. We came up with a good reason for that to happen. Um, the new character, of course, brings in – switching characters in the middle of Dragon Heist brings in a whole bunch of weird wrinkles because, um, because that was the only character tied to two of the factions. Um, and yet – and so now the connections to those two factions, Brigandareth and the Zentarim, are gone – but this other character is coming in with a connection to the Lord's Alliance, uh, a faction that nobody else had a connection to. So now we're, we're sort of not only changing characters, but it's changing some of the dynamic of the um, it, the, the dynamic of the of the the narrative, right? Because 
now these different players are, are in play. Uh, these different factions are in play. And so it's it's mm-hmm. interesting to see how that works out. And I wasn't sure, like, how am I going to sort of make that work? And, and, and how am I going to uh, integrate him into the story and start him uh, building in his connection to these factions uh, and building up some renown and all that? And then I decided, well, the first... Lord's Alliance faction he'll deal with. The, the first one, which is protecting um, dung sweepers in the sewers, right? We just sort of did that off camera. Mm-hmm. You did yeah. that when you came to town. We don't need to play that out. The next one it deals with finding this exile who snuck back into town. And, and as uh, the Lord's Alliance contact puts it, put him to the sword. Right, which brings in all these weird complications because the Lord's Alliance is, is a lawful, you know, organization uh, sponsored by governments, and yet, right. th- you know, they're having one of their agents illegally murdering somebody in the street, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and so that brings up a whole different thing. But I, but it turns out that this character, or this exile, was hanging out back down in the dock ward. Okay, fine, um, th- because the next sort of side mission they wanted to engage in was the seed that I gave them for the uh, scavenge scavenge operation from Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Mm-hmm. Or salvage operations, that's what it is. Salvage operation. Salvage area. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so they wanted to get involved in that. Even though they've lost their connection to Brigandareth, it looked like an opportunity to make money. <laughs> and um, they've mm-hmm. been struggling to get uh, Trollskull Manor afloat because they can't get the, mo- the funds together to repair it. So this is a chance for them to get some mm-hmm. money. And so they were interested in doing that. So I'm like, all right, well, they're going to be heading down to the dock ward to get a ship anyway. And I had sort of prearranged that, you know, Brigandareth has actually already set up a charter ship for you. They just didn't tell you about it. So you show up in the docks and they're ready to go. But on the way there, they happen to run into this exile that this new character was looking for. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he's over there uh, intimidating some some merchants or, or no some dockhands. I had him intimidating some dockhands with his kinku thugs, uh, like the adventure calls for. Um, and and you know the, the those faction missions in the in Dragon Heist are all pretty broad and vague. Yeah. So that, so I decided that that's what they were doing. They just happened to be on the street intimidating these people uh, or whatever, and he he sees him and goes over to deal with it, uh, and of course. The 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 exile uh, Harco is his name is is over there like well what are you gonna do you have proof like we're in the middle of the street there's a there's a a watch patrol right down there what are you gonna do about it right uh, and eventually the the Harco just says you know what forget you I don't need to deal with this I'm just gonna walk away and he walks into the lo- the, the bar that was nearby mm-hmm. um. And so they run down and get the watch themselves and be like, hey, there's an exile in there. You should do something about that. Uh, and they're like, OK, well, go get a magistrate and some more and get some backup so we can go into here, find this guy, storm in, grab him, do what we need to do. At which point, one of the other characters uses disguised self, you know, walks into an alley, uses disguised self and transforms herself into a magistrate. And comes out and, and <laughs> plays the part of a magistrate. And, and uh, so they, they go in. They drag the guy out after some, some good uh, tr- rolls you know, and checks to make that happen. Nice. Uh-huh. They, dra- they drag the guy out into the street. The kinku flee out the back door. Uh, so they just got the main guy. Um, and, and they're like, oh, magistrate, you're here. Great. So uh, I suppose we should uh, you know, take, take this guy in and, and 
gather the evidence and figure out what's going on, look at the records, see if he's actually in exile or whatever, uh, to which the PC who's uh, acting as a magistrate is like, oh, no, no, I remember this guy. I was there the first time he got exiled three years ago. Execute him now. And they're like, uh, we're not sure about that. And they're like, okay, you, you there, the, the dwarf who had, who had the mission to kill him, right? You execute this uh-huh. guy right now. Ta-da! Like, you know? <laughs> so they kind of got nice. what they want and then walked away through deception, right? They managed to kill him right in the middle That's of the street, funny. surrounded by the watch, but pulled it off. <laughs> they then get to the docks. They figure out where they're headed. Uh, they head out to, to the salvage uh, operation. Um, and, and they work their way like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the salvage operation, uh, adventure. Uh, I've heard of it, but I haven't really read it now. Okay. So the idea is you've got a derelict ship, right? This ship was, mm-hmm. was carrying something important. It was a cargo ship or whatever. It got caught in a storm like years ago, blown off course, um, stranded on an Island, uh, attacked by Oryx. The Oryx, some of the Oryx then took over the ship. Uh, and were using it as their their home, but also they they were Loth worshippers, um, and so it, mm. you know it, whatever. Then they were being attacked by their enemies on the island, and they just sort of lifted the anchor and let the ship sort of drift off out into the ocean. Uh, and it happened to end mm-hmm. up, you know, not too far away. Brigandere sees it and says, "Hey, we recognize that ship. I changed it out so there wasn't a merchant that needed the, the documents because mm-hmm. the, the documents on the ship were like deeds and, and you know, financial notes and whatever that would be valuable to this merchant. I decided instead mm-hmm. it was it was deeds and notes owned by Brigandareth showing that they owned property in Waterdeep, in Luskin, and in Minzo Baranzand, so three areas that of importance to them, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so uh, they were needed to go and get this magical box that was all sealed up with these notes in it, and anything else you, you find that you can salvage is yours, right? That's sort of the gist of the mm-hmm. adventure. And then the, sure. the trick is you work your way down the ship to the bottom of the hold where this, this box is, and you're going through and exploring and, and um, gathering stuff up, and you're running into, like, there's a lot of weird spider things in here, and now there's a druid uh, orc that we've run into, and that's strange. <laughs> What's going on? Um, but then it takes a real twist when you get down into the hold, which has some gas in it. Uh, you, you fight off the gas, but the sound of fighting off the gas attracts the creature that first derelicted the ship, which was a giant, octop- uh, yeah, a giant octopus that was been just hanging out under the water waiting for the ship to sink. Uh, and mm-hmm. so hearing the sounds of battles, the, the giant octopus comes back up and just starts devastating the ship. And now the whole adventure switches and becomes a race. Now you've got to get out mm-hmm. of the ship, get the rowboat to come pick you up from the other ship, mm-hmm. uh, all while it's being attacked by this giant octopus. And every monster you didn't kill has worked its way up to the main deck and you have to fight through them all. Right. Nice. Uh, and so because, yeah, plus you're carrying this big, this big giant metal box that it takes like athletics checks just to climb up the ladders with it and, and it slows down your movement. Mm-hmm. It's so big and whatever. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and, and several people on Twitter, when I told them I w- we were running it, were like, oh, watch out. Like my party almost had a TPK on that or it just killed everybody. Like it was devastating. Right. Well, it mm-hmm. turns out that my players had a plan from the beginning that they didn't share with me, which worked out rather well. They got down to the hold. They found the box. The, the octopus started to attack. And one of the things that happens is every at the beginning of everybody's turn, they have to make a deck save because tentacles are shooting through the hull of the ship, right? And mm-hmm. so if you make a deck save or else you get hit by a tentacle. But that means that there are, there's also holes being punctured into the side of the ship. So mm-hmm. they started using the, the shatter spell and the ring of the ram, and they start widening one of those holes. 
The, dru- uh-huh. the druid in the party shape changes into an octopus that's strong enough to carry the chest by itself, albeit slowly, mm-hmm. and just swims it out that hole. And everybody else escapes <laughs> out that way. And they, they they skip the hole, like racing out the top of the ship and waiting for the rowboat. And they just went straight to the water, right? It was actually pretty mm-hmm. brilliant. I, I, was, I was very, very happy with them coming up with this brilliant idea. Uh, and then they, yeah. they, they get back on their ship. The ship's actually going to drop them off um, at the coast because um, one of the other side quests that I stole, faction quests that I stole from another product, uh, I stole from um, Mike's uh, Sly Flourish's Fantastic Adventures. The, the first collection of adventures mm-hmm. is the, the Cult of Dusk. And I decided the location of that adventure was going to be actually right off the coast near where this derelict ship was. And so they're like, oh, well, we're close anyway. Let's just pay the ship a little bit extra, take it to shore, hop in, do this real quick, and then get back in the ship to go back to Waterdeep. It'll be it'll be fast and easy that way. Mm-hmm. But I figured, well, there's no way Brigandareth isn't interested in sort of keeping an eye on this thing and making sure that things go the way they want it to go. These documents are important to them. I even had the, the box marked with a stylized J. I'm tr- throwing in all these hints mm-hmm. that about Jarlaxle, but they, you know, because the sure. one the one player knows of Jarlaxle but hasn't, um, you know, mm-hmm. hasn't clued in that that they've been interacting with Jarlaxle this whole time. So anyway, the mm-hmm. the, Scar- the Scarlet Marfanoth was following them the whole time. So the submarine sort of submerges next to the ship as they're approaching the coast and mm-hmm. says, "Oh, great, you found the box. We'll take that now." Uh, you know, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, okay, fine." So here's your box. Let me. <laughs> they open it. The uh, was it Captain Zardo? Zord um, opens up yeah. the box and is just, you know let's make sure everything's here and finds all the documents oh this here's this thing from Menzer Barons and here's the the documents from Luskin and it all looks like it's oh yeah and this this uh, this puzzle box is here too I guess we'll just sell that off right and that's me layering in some more hints for for descent into Avertus right it's it's the infernal mm-hmm. puzzle box from that adventure that Brigadier yeah. didn't, doesn't actually care about or doesn't want. But, you know, they've got it and it'll be – so they, the players mm-hmm. have seen it. It'll be sold off and then it'll show up again in the next adventure. Um, mm-hmm. So so I'm, I'm happy with the way that's going. Um, nice. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, and that's, and that's sort of where we, where we left off um, is they were just about to go ashore. Uh, they'd just given up the box to, to Captain Zardoz Zord of the Scarlet Marpanoth. Um, and they were about to – and were about to go run um, – was it the cult uh, cult of dusk from uh, Sly Flourish Fanta- Sly Flourish's Fantastic Adventures? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's I guess I didn't think I had much to talk about, but look at that! I went a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the the only question I have, and, and I'm, I've been thinking about this, and it's not immediately pressing, uh, but it occurs to me like the the plot with the Castellanters. Um, Mm-hmm. Have you played with that storyline? I have not. No. Okay. So, you, but you're familiar a little bit with their plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so they've got this whole devil worshiping thing going on, and of course, I've decided to right. swap it out. It's not a devil worshiping thing. It's actually they're worshiping one of the dark powers because I'm trying to tie mm-hmm. in all this Ravenloft stuff. Right. Right. But the but the, otherwise the story is the same. They have to sacrifice a certain amount of money and a certain number of people in order to save the souls of their their children. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. really kind of a cool, tragic, very Ravenlofty storyline, right? Sure. Um, but I'm afraid the way it's written, I don't know that it's going to come out or be evident at all. And in fact, I think you could get through the whole mm-hmm. thing and never actually go to the Castellanter uh, Founders Day celebration that, that I've been pumping mm-hmm. up this whole time through the newsletters yeah. and, and other things. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious if you had any thoughts in terms of how to 
to start integrating that and making them realize what's going on. Because I feel like we're reaching a point where it would be useful for them to actually start figuring out what's actually happening. Mm. Huh. Um, yeah, so I don't uh, – I haven't read that fully That because we we played uh, with the Xanathar um, kind of section. And so I didn't really read fully the other ones. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I would suggest would be maybe have an NPC just sort of you know, ask them, like, hey, are you going to go to this thing or whatever, invite them or whatever, just to give them a reason and kind of check their temperature um, to see if they, you know, if they remember that from you talking about it or any of that kind of stuff. Right. And then you can kind of see where they're at and maybe feed them more information or, like I said, uh, have them invited um, specifically. Yeah, so, uh, so they've actually... At least kind of get them there. I've actually already had them invited. Um, so one of the one of the the characters is, or one of the players is playing a, a PC who is a tiefling who's actually from the city of Dis and whose family immigrated mm-hmm. to the to the Prime Material Plane, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the other families that immigrated with them at the same time was included this um, this individual who's like her personal rival, always trying to outdo each other sort of thing. So I've decided that the Castellanter's sort of footman is this rival. And just to rub mm-hmm. her nose in it, like he shows up and says, hey, I have a job for you. My bosses want you guys to deliver these invitations to people around town. And there's a few in mm-hmm. there for you too, right? So so that, that, nice. that so they've got their invites. And the new character, um, the new uh, – the dwarven uh, barbarian character who's you know, mm-hmm. we talked about, um, one right. of the things that I, that I did with him when he was bringing in this character was – um, he's actually been hired by the Castellanters as security. Uh, I'm, and people who are listening can't hear my air quotes, but as security, um, <laughs> because that's what he needs to believe. But it's pretty obvious to anybody else that really they just wanted to bring in the 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 semi-famous strongman barbarian dwarf, you know, to to mm-hmm. to be a show uh, or a spectacle for the crowd. Um, so, right. so I know at least he plans to be there. I don't know that the others have an invite. I don't know that they care. <laughs> I, and, and I think part mm-hmm. of the issue is they, they don't realize this larger sort of um, – that they're connected to this whole um, uh, evil worship, you know, worship of dark powers thing. Uh, and, that, mm-hmm. and, it, and it would be tragic if, if they didn't hear the whole like tragic story of the Castle Hunters too. So. Right. So how can you make it uh, – I guess how can you make it more personal for them um, – so that they do get involved and they do have either, you know, have someone to tell them or some, you know, figure it out themselves or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I'm not sure. Like I said, I, I didn't read that enough to know. Yeah. Like how, I guess in the adventure, how does it play out? And then how can you kind of, you know, model that in, in your game? Well, uh, so the, the, uh, uh, Ishmael is suggesting that they have, that we, that I run a raffle. And so the, the PCs, can win the puzzle box that the that Brigandareth gained, <laughs> but then the Castle Enters steal it, so now they want to go. go in and get it back. Uh, and that might be a fun too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of getting them to care, your your question made me think of a few things, um, and, and I think there's two directions I could go with it that might help. Uh, one of them is, I mean, I'm I'm half tempted to introduce the kids, have them meet the kids as NPCs, kind of maybe get them mm-hmm. to start to care about the kids. And then learn about the larger plot. Like now they have to make a decision, right? Oh, are we on right. the Castellanter's side on this? Because we like the kids and we want to save them. But if we're on their mm-hmm. side, we have to sacrifice like a hundred people. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. so so that's no good, right? Um, 
Right. Yeah. Uh, and, that sort of choice, and then, yeah. yeah, that and that makes it that that's sort of Raven Lofty tragic, right? <laughs> Making those, sure. those yeah, yeah, those hard choices. Um, the other way mm-hmm. I could do it is uh, that I was thinking of is so they. I'm trying to build them. I'm trying to build in connect more connections to them and make them care about the residents of Trollskull Alley, because when I transition them into uh, Ravenloft, my plan is to actually like suck the whole neighborhood into the mist. So now they have an even more reason besides wanting to get themselves back home. Now they have to save all their neighbors who are trapped in Barovia. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, so I want them to care about those characters. So part of me wonders if I, if I couldn't have one of them um, for whatever reason get invited to uh, or plan on attending the celebration. And then mm-hmm. – the characters find out that everybody who's there is actually going to be used as a sacrifice, right? And now suddenly they care mm-hmm. about running in and stopping it beyond normally, yeah, right. like whatever, because now this person they care about mm-hmm. might be might be sacrificed. So mm-hmm. um, I just have yeah. to I just have to get them to care about somebody. Right now, they, the only person they really care about is the bodyguard at the jeweler shop next door, um, who the tiefling has decided that she's she's got she's struck up a fancy for and has. has Asked him out on dates and he's totally not like – he's shocked. He's like, whoa, my game doesn't work. Why is this girl interested in me? You know, sort of thing. So it's been fun to play that out. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh-huh. uh, part of me feels like I lean on him too much. So maybe get that uh, – I was going to say maybe get that character somehow involved with one of the other characters and, and you know, to have you know at least two of the characters involved with that one character to but, yeah. make it more interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I, I yeah, I think there's some good ideas there. I, I think um, – that question spurs a, a line of thinking that w- should be helpful to me. So, uh, but I've gone way, nice. way over my time, like 15, 20 minutes over my time now. <laughs> so, uh, we, we should give you a chance to talk on your, your first, um, appearance on behind the DM screen. Um, so before we switch <laughs> over sure. to Robert, I want to mention to people that if you want to support the show, uh, you can go shopping over at Amazon, uh, just like you normally do. Uh, but you, if you go through the, to- the links at thetomeshow.com, then we get a little bit of the, you know, we get like a, a few pennies for each dollar that you purchase or whatever. And that, and I, you spread that out amongst all the people who contribute to the show. Uh, and you can also do the same thing with the links to DMs Guild. And then I use that to get products that we, that we review in some of our PDF, uh, review episodes and that kind of stuff. So, um, you can support us that way. All right, Robert, should I even bother starting the timer since it's just the two of us? <laughs> <laughs> you you tell me. Uh, you go ahead. You go ahead, uh, and, I'll, and I'll just tell you when your time's running. Excuse me, running low. All right, all right. So uh, so I've got a few campaigns. Um, I run a couple um, that are part of my Patreon, and then I also have a home game. Um, so the first one is um, a Waterdeep game. So I'll start with that since it kind of ties in. Um, we've been playing that since uh, since really before dragon heist uh came out um and the way we started it beforehand is we ran uh rats of Waterdeep, which was a uh i think uh lisa chen or lisa penrose now and um and will doyle wrote that and that was sort of like a um uh you kind of have to figure out what's going on with these rats and you know in in in, in the docks it's a and, low um, level adventure it's a yeah it's a low level so that was that was the first adventure we ran um and uh, you know that was a bunch of kind of random characters. And it was this adventure or this uh, campaign is Adventures League, um, and so it was kind of 
right right when the Adventures League stuff came out for for this season, and we started with that, and then we moved into um, you know into the main uh, Waterdeep campaign. Uh, I forget what season it was, but it's the one with the Xanathars, the one that we did. Okay. Um, and then we also I kind of peppered in um, the Adventures League modules um, into there, so you know we'll, we just kind of went back and forth as as was sort of needed and as sort of fit with um you know with their level and just kind of with what they were doing uh the one thing that that you know happened in my game you know you were talking about those um the uh the factions right. and those faction missions like my characters uh my players didn't care about the faction stuff at all no. they did a little bit because they had to like i gave them a reason to do a couple of them but they didn't care about the actual factions they just wanted the, to do the missions right um because it helped them with other stuff so uh so they kind of went through that and then you know we've just been sort of playing and it's been sort of uh hit and miss the you know the, the water deep adventure itself dragon ice was great um the adventures league modules were sort of hit and miss some of them were super great and some of them were just kind of so so we're now about um uh think the 13th level 12 or 13th level and they're doing the uh one you know a bunch of the adventures that have to do with um uh vanrick doom so there's a bunch of vampire stuff going on and um the game is sort of stalled only because uh, you know i've been sick or somebody's been sick or it's, we've had to cancel a couple times okay. unfortunately. how many, how many so, players do you have uh, uh this is a four-player one okay yes yeah, and that's another thing we've had a couple players come in and out right that's why I always try to have about – I try to aim for about five or six players in a group kn- knowing that we're all adults. Mm-hmm. So when people have stuff that comes yeah. up, as long as we have at least four, mm-hmm. we play. Um, mm-hmm. But if you've only got four, then it's hard to, to have that flexibility, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. We've still been playing, yeah, with, with three sometimes. But, yeah, I like to have everybody in there. Um, and that's been running – uh, generally about twice a week. I think we're like one month behind right now, so we're two sessions behind. But uh, you know, we'll get caught up hopefully after after the holidays here. Mm. Um, so, but that's been going pretty good. You know, we've been talking about like, what are we going to do? Are we going to do? We want to keep going? Um, I would like to keep going to go through all of the adventures, like the high level stuff, because I know uh, this group has actually been around for a while, for a couple of years. Like we played through the um, uh, oh, what is it called? What's the the hardcover with all the little mini adventures in it? Um, what is it called? Uh, 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 the Yawning Portal. Tales from the Yawning Portal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we played a bunch of those with these characters, and so the a lot of these, or sorry, not these characters, but these players. So a lot of these players have been, uh, you know, have been with me playing, uh, playing for a long time. We use uh, Fantasy Grounds and play right. online. So, um, yeah, so it's a good group. Um, so we, you know, like I said, we're um, kind of doing the vampire stuff, wrapping that up, and then um, we might either. I'm not sure where to go with that. Um, I think we're going to need to go into some of the um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage stuff in order to kind of level them up a little bit to well, get was, into the higher curious. level Adventures League yeah, stuff. Yeah, because you talked about the higher level Adventures League stuff in Waterdeep. And, and I haven't mm-hmm. run a lot of uh, Adventures League. A lot of times I'll, I'll pull them out like years later and, and use them to, to you know make campaigns for like school groups that I've run or whatever. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they're great for that. But um, the higher level stuff, does it integrate into Dungeon of the Mad Mage pretty well? Is it is it does does Adventure Leagues transli- transition from uh, Dragon Heist basically into Dungeon of the Mad Mage? Or? Yeah, so that seems to be where it's going. I haven't read mm-hmm. the, I haven't kind of read too much past where we are right now. But I I think that they tie into a okay. lot of the Dungeon of the Mad Mage stuff. Yeah, because like the ones where we're at now is we're obviously outside of. Uh, 
of the dragon heist stuff and we're into um you know the tier tier three stuff um and that's you know it has to do with vanrick doom which is level 16 or 17 i think in that um in dungeon of the mad mage so um so yeah it seems to be tying in pretty heavily and i would assume the higher level stuff has to do with halister and stuff but you know we're not quite there sure. and i'm not sure you know i haven't plotted it out exactly to see uh, like what levels are going to need to be at and since the adventures league it's kind of a you know, it's a little bit more like you have to kind of plot things out to make sure that they have enough experience right. to get where we're going, basically. So, so that's that's one. You know, I don't really have any uh, questions about that. I guess just uh, more. It's more of uh, planning on, like I said, where we're going right. to be. It's a it's uh, a it's a logistics it's a logistics issue in that yeah. one, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, so uh, so that's your so that was your normal deep. home game. Uh, no, that's that's one of my Patreon games. That's one of the Patreon games, okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, the home game uh, is uh, I'm running Dragonspear Castle. Oh, okay. Um, so that was like the original, you know, the original 5e adventure. Uh, it, was, it was still next, I guess. Yeah, I guess it, was it, play, wasn't it was the original. It was the, original, but it was the one. Yeah, it was a playtest adventure. And, um, and I'm kind of merging that with um, Scourge of the Red Wizards, which was another playtest adventure. Was the, if uh, I if I remember um, right, they were intended so, to go together, right? Yeah, sort of. Um, so, Dragonspear Castle is supposed to be like I don't know how far in the past, but like in the past, basically. Right. And then Scourge of the Red Wizard was kind of present time, and so you know they have a lot to do with each other, um, right? And you can um, you can put them together. Uh, you just have to sort of like fudge some of the details. Well, uh, yeah, some of it's like it, oh, all this stuff happened a long time ago. They you know? fe- they feel like they were intended to be sort of a continuation, but the middle yeah, ad- but the exactly. middle adventure is missing. So well, so so the Dragonspear Castle is actually like I think it's three adventures in and of itself, right? And and they're not uh, they're not linear. So like you have like one that's like first level adventure, the next one's like seventh level adventure and then there's oh. like a 12th level adventure in it something okay. like that um and so so there's that issue so we played the first adventure in that which is basically like there's a uh, a black dragon in a um uh in the swamps and 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 you gotta go you, you're not supposed to fight it you're just supposed to go uh kind of reconnoiter um but of course they went in and and uh didn't quite fight it but they so were picked a fight with something it. way beyond uh, their their kin <laughs> No, well, they, they met it, and then they actually talked to it, which is which is good. And they 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 displayed the correct amount of uh, um, you know of fear. Right. <laughs> so, um, and so they were able to steal steal what they needed to steal from it, and then it in return was stolen from them. But um, so they played through that adventure, and then we've switched now to Scourge of the Red Wizards, um, which is I ran that I mean years ago. Um, and it's fun with this group because this one is not Adventures League, and back then it was, you know, it was Adventures League, so we, you know, ran it by the book kind of thing. All right. Um, but this is more like, uh, you know, more home home style. So so we've been kind of going all over the place. They they're finally kind of starting to get into the the adventure where they're understanding, like they're starting to see it progress because that adventure is very much like a kind of very san- it's not really sandboxy. I guess it's sandboxy, but it's it seems like there's a lot going on, and so they have right. options to do stuff, but they don't know, like they don't see where it's coalescing yet. But they're starting, starting to see that. Well, that's the that's um, the giant so mega, that's been, mega dungeon, right? 
Isn't that? Uh, it turns into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a really big. Yeah, and I'm not sure how I'm going <laughs> to run that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how I'm going to run that because that, uh, you know, that was made uh, to run it with like a whole bunch of a whole bunch of groups at once. It's, it's sort of an epic, um, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I might just pick a couple of the sections and have them run through it. Another kind of issue I was coming up with this game is that um, I'm sort of I want to run something else with this group, uh, another game uh, or another campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of, but I want to get through this. So sure. I'm sort of. Um, that's 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 always the bane of the of the DM, right? Is that you've always got ideas <laughs> right. for the next story, but you have to finish the current. Yeah. One. Yeah. Well, so I, I mean, I've been running like you know, I've been running published adventures for you know for so long, uh, for like the past five years, and I kind of want to do something that's you know just made up on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I also want to finish because I know these people like they like their characters. Um, and they want to see them progress. So, like, right. I don't want to just stop the game and, like, jump to something else. So um, what I was thinking about doing was kind of going the way that Shadow the Demon Lord does it. And then now Adventures League is starting to do it, where basically like, every session you gain a level. Mm-hmm. Um, but that seems a little bit too fast, only because, like, the last, the last um, dungeon they were in kind of took two sessions to go through. It's going to take two sessions. And so it feels like they shouldn't go up two levels within that. So I think I'm just going to do the sort of the milestone thing where, you know, when I think they're ready every one or two sessions, I'll, I'll level them. That way we can kind of get where we need to be. We did that. Um, back in the fourth edition days, we, um, we did, um, uh, one of the, somebody took over as a DM for a while. I, I DM most of the time, but one, somebody else gave me a break and said, Oh, I'll do a whole, uh, Dark Sun campaign, right? And so we did Dark mm-hmm. Sun, but it was like run this l- little adventure, fast forward five years and gain five levels. You know, now mm-hmm. now, now let's do this other adventure. Now do it again, mm-hmm. like and so we ended up doing you know a one to twenty campaign, sort of five levels at a, you know once once per like tier. Right. So, uh-huh. so one sort uh-huh. of uh, adventure per tier. Uh, and it was a really, really fast paced way to run through, you know, a real sort of snapshot of Dark Sun. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then it allowed mm-hmm. me to get back to, to my main. So, so how did you like that as a player? How did you like that? Like jumping levels like that? It was I, I really enjoyed it, recognizing that it was a chance for me, especially because I'm usually a DM. Right. And if I'm going to mm-hmm. be a player. The only way I get to sort of experience a breadth of play is through mm-hmm. uh, a gimmick like that, right? Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, if I was a normal player uh, that played most of the time, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. If it was like I want to get a, a a breadth of the feeling of what this story is or what this setting is, but just so, you know, but I don't want to live here, you know, then I think it's mm-hmm. good, that mm-hmm. approach is really good for that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I um I play. I was telling you before. Um, I played in James and Tricasso's Demon Plague stream. Yeah. Uh, and so that was really cool. So that I'm almost never a player. I'm you know like ninety nine point ninety nine percent DM. Right. Uh, and so it was really great to play. Like I've I've never played a one through twenty campaign as a player. Um, and so we we did like every two sessions you level for the most part. And so after mm-hmm. 40 sessions, you know, we were 20th level. And so that was a great that, you know, it was fun uh, to do that and to gain levels and to kind of really play with the character enough to understand how, how it plays through. That, yeah, that no, I, I've, I've noticed listening to the podcast version that you guys seem to be flying through the 
um, the the um, the levels fairly quickly, and then I read the mm-hmm. the adventure in more detail for the review that we did last month, uh, and realized well, and there's like it even reading through the adventure, it feels like a pretty fast paced leveling thing. Right, if you wanted to flesh it out, mm-hmm. you could add a lot to that adventure, and and it builds in the opportunity to do that. Um, but you could do that mm-hmm. and really slow down the the leveling to a, to a regular pace. Uh, but I don't know that I'd want to, right? I think that fast pace um, seems all right. You know, it seems it seems mm-hmm. appropriate for for uh, for getting in that story and then moving on to your next game. Yeah, yeah. And so, kind of on that same thing, um, I'm running this Dark Sun game. So the Dark Sun game, um, I'm I'm shocked to hear is... you say you're running a Dark Sun game. <laughs> right. Um, so the Dark Sun game is I I just recently started it. Um, and we're playing, it's called Dark Days of Tear, and it's, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. run in the classic timeline, so right after Kalak dies, spoilers, <laughs> right after Kalak dies, um, and everybody is kind of figuring out what's going on in the city, um, and the way my, the way my sort of original pitch was, like, that it's a classic game, so, like, your classic races and classes, um, and that it's sort of, like, a low-level, you know, hour-by-hour hour sort of, of what happens in Tear. Um, starting with the day after and so the game has been running for what are we on uh we've ran like eight sessions eight sessions now okay no more than that 12 sessions now um so it's only half a day since since the death of but (laughs) not quite not quite yeah it's been seven days but this is where sort of my my issue my my one question i have about this game so this game is basically all the players at first, it started with two groups. I had two groups of players, and I was going to run it sort of sandbox style where people could decide when they wanted to play. And so it was really one group, one full group. Okay. Sorry. It was it was enough for one group at a time, but it was enough for two groups. But I wanted people to kind of jump back and forth, so I didn't want, like, any set groups. Um, since then, some of the players left and were down to one actual group. Uh, but what's actually happened was they they've decided they want to sort of help the city um, in this time of trouble, so there's fires and there's looting happening and all that kind of stuff, um, and so they're actually helping the um, the Templars who don't have any magic now because Kalak's dead. Uh, they're helping them sort of maintain the city, and so the, um, they're just going and doing little jobs for the um, for the city guard to you know to keep the city safe, um, and so. It originally started as like four hour chunks, like in the morning and the afternoon, and then it kind of would be like a full day or whatever. But I got one player that really wants, like, he's like, "Oh, I need to go get a shield made," and I'm like, "Okay, well, that's you're gonna ask for a specific <laughs> shield to be made, but it's gonna take like a month, and we're going, you know, day by day right now." Right. And so um, I'm kind of struggling a little bit with that. You know, you had talked about downtime, and so I'm like, "Do I want to start injecting downtime now that we're like a week out? So it's been seven days." Do I want it to start to make it be like, okay, well, you spend a couple days here and a couple days there so that we start moving the timeline mm-hmm. a little further? How are, how are they enjoying the, the sort of slower um, pace uh, in, in terms of timeline so far? Are they enjoying sort of getting that um, granular? I think – I think they are. Uh, so each, basically each session, sometimes two sessions, is like one adventure sort of um, – and so it's usually one day or, or two days um, for one little adventure. Um, and so I, I think they've kind of liked how it's gone. I've kind of brought in different aspects of 
you know, they've met this person and now they're over here. Um, and so I think they're, they like that, but I also feel like, like I said, like that one player sort of wants to advance a little further, like, cause he wants to have, right. he wants to have downtime basically. Um, and then the other, I think it's also so chaotic in the city right now that, that they're trying to kind of figure out what's going on, but they don't really know how to, uh, how to kind of get a, a, a wide view of it right you know that like they're seeing in like individual neighborhoods like they'll go into one individual neighborhood and solve this problem and then this other neighborhood and solve this problem so so i so i have two i have two approach prong I, I have a two way two ways of handling this that i think if i was mm-hmm. running it right um on one hand if they're enjoying this sort of getting down to the nitty-gritty sort of pacing of things right then then maybe don't mess with that but mm-hmm. clearly this um, this player is indicating an interest in at least in, in, a, in a, like you tell me, are they interested in the process of sort of custom ordering their own shield or do they just want the mm-hmm. shield? Uh, they just want a custom thing. Yeah. They just. OK. Like. So if, if, if it's more about wanting the shield, then. Maybe you give them the hint of sort of th- this is a shield that exists and you could go off and go get it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then you can keep mm-hmm. it at sort of this gritty sort of granular uh, pace. Um, mm-hmm. And that would work out fairly well. Um, or you can introduce some downtime, right? Give them, uh, you know, a few days here, a few days there. And if I was doing that, because you talked about how they're not really picking up on sort of the big picture things that are going on, then you mm-hmm. could also do these sort of like, um, you know, cutscene vignettes, right? Not stuff that the players necessarily know. Maybe they've picked up on some of it or not. But so these sort of, mm-hmm. you could do these sort of descriptive vignettes to sort of start each session. Oh, it's been a couple of days since the last time you guys went out and did whatever. And in the meantime, this is what's going on in the city, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, and sort of give them that, you know, that scope of the setting and the sort of the coolness of dealing with the aftermath of of the death of Kallik. That's a good idea. I think, uh, you know, obviously there's no newspapers. People can't read. Right. But there are there are people they're called dracoman and they're basically like uh you know the people that know what's going on in the city so it would be good to maybe maybe they they know one of those people and they can you know give them the news maybe that's Uh, one of the other things maybe that's their next adventure is that they do that they end up doing something where they rescue one of these people and now they've got this contact Mm -hmm. that they care about you know uh but but then this then this person also gives them a little tail every every session Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i like that so one of the other sort of complications is that, you know, I wanted this to be a um, a classic adventure, a classic campaign, uh, which also to me includes uh, something that Darkstone included initially, which was character trees, which is basically like, you know, players have four different characters and they swap them out depending on the, depending on the need, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, that has uh, worked to, on different levels for different players. I've got one player with like three characters, Josh, who uh, I think I'm not sure if he's still in, in the chat, but he was, is that, here. Is that a Thasian um, runner? That's yep. That's a Thasian runner. Yep. Yeah. That's Josh. So he's got three characters. He, he, um, he recently, cool characters. When, when you started talking about this campaign, he, he gave you a woohoo at this for oh. life. Oh, and now he says he's still yep, here. There he is still here. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's got three characters um, and he's kind of switched them out a few times, which is awesome. Uh, they're all great characters. And, mm-hmm. um, 
Uh, and then there's another player <laughs> who's, uh, you know, who's only played one character, uh, hasn't played, you know, hasn't hasn't played any other characters. Um, and then there's one player which she's told me he's like, I only really want to one, run this one play, one character. Mm-hmm. He has a couple, but he's also said he only wants to run one. So that kind of puts it somewhat, uh, you know, I kind of wanted a bunch of like mm. rotating characters. Um, and so that's that's makes it also a little bit more complicated as to, you know, so you how, have, how, how many uh, players total? This one has like six players. Yeah. And then how many characters total? So right now, I don't know. I'd have to look. I there's, I think we have like ten characters right now, ten or eleven. Okay, so not everybody has has multiple characters, and so and you said one character, one player has no. three. Um, I guess I yeah. Hmm. How are you doing leveling? Are you leveling through miles? So this one or? is uh, it's it's a little longer. So it's it's basically every I think I said every three sessions at lower levels or. Every four sessions at lower level, so uh, tier one is going to be a level, and then it kind of slows down um, as you go up in tier. Okay. So no, it's but, not milestone because but, because you know, granted, the same thing that you do with like you know any kind of organized play, you want to reward people for showing up, and right. so the people that show up more and play more, they get to you know their their character will will go up. Well, mm-hmm. I mostly ask because like my inclination is to say if somebody. If somebody wants to play one character, well, somebody else wants to swap out and play three characters. Um, I guess my inclination would be to let it, let both players play the way that they're having fun, right? Um, mm-hmm. The place where that falls apart a little bit is is in advancement because if the character if the right. play if the player who's playing one character is, has the advantage in doing that because they're constantly mm-hmm. getting XP, whereas the other players are not constantly getting XP, then that becomes problematic. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And that's where I thought having all of the, everybody having characters would work, because you would have, you would be switching around, but then you come up with, you know, a player that just wants to mostly play one character. Yeah, so, hmm. I wonder if you couldn't... I wonder if you couldn't... Uh, I don't want to say force, but I, do, but I do. I wonder if you couldn't force them into it. Not, but, but do it in a disruptive way at first. So move to a completely different part of the city or move to another city mm-hmm. and, and say, okay, now I want to do a little, a little just a one-shot or a two-shot or whatever over here in this completely mm-hmm. different part of the world. You know, and and so you you all need new characters, right? Uh, and then uh-huh. do a little bit of that, and then and then let them, and then you, now that everybody has two characters, right? And and for whatever reason, yeah, they, yeah. they all end up in the same place, and they have a reason to be connected to each other. They're all part of an, the same mm-hmm. organization or whatever. Uh, and then you do that for you know, then you go through another five sessions or so, and then you do it again. Now everybody's got three characters, right? And so everybody's got this. Mm-hmm. It ends up with this stable of characters that are all part of the same organization that are all sort of mm-hmm. co- coalescing into one area. Um, now right. that that doesn't make the one player not play their favorite character all the time, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. But it it at least it, it helps incentivize. Like, oh, but now they've played the other character, right? They've had a taste. Yeah, maybe they'll right, stick right. with it. I, I think I might also um, to avoid those other issues. I might. I might create a a XP 
like something in the XP to slow it down. Like, you know, I th- I'm thinking back to like the second and third edition days of D&D, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where certain races gained XP and certain um, classes slower yeah. or whatever. And just be like, uh-huh. look, if you're the highest level PC in the group, then you take, uh, you gain 10% less XP for the session. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're one level higher than than the the next highest level person, then it's ten percent. If you're two levels higher, it's twenty percent. You know, and just sort of scale mm-hmm. it that way to so at least then it doesn't get too out of hand. You know, right, but I, right. but I think I would hold off on that. Just I'd tr- start by incentivizing them. Here, you know, jump around. Mm-hmm. Here's your different characters. Now you've got a library of them, whether you like it or not, right? Uh, and yeah. Then, so and then if one of the ways I did that. Then, yeah. Go ahead. So one of the ways I did that was to so. Uh, uh, the player like has a half giant and so they're big. And so they went into under tier and I was like, well, your half giant is going to have trouble, trouble down there. It's tight. You know, it's basically dungeons, but small dungeons, um, caves and whatnot. And so that sort of helped uh, a bit. Um, and they need to go back there again. So, um, so that's one way, but that's, you know, that's only going to last for so long. Um, although I do have a number of adventures that they can play down there. So that, that might help help for a bit. Um, uh, and the other thing, what was, there was something else I was going to. Athasian Runner points out that, that. You, I don't know, that but ju- Runner is pointing out that you also um, give mm-hmm. other PCs in the tree uh, a bump whenever one of them mm-hmm. levels or whatever, and that that helps out sometimes. Too. Right, right, yeah. So that the way that works is basically, yeah, every time you have a character that levels, you can you level one of your other characters in the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of makes so you don't have to play the characters all the time just assumed to be off doing other things so they gain levels as well okay. um but oh i was thinking that you could also uh, i could also say like if you do want to if you do want to spend downtime to make to get your thing sort of faster as a character mm-hmm. when you spend downtime that is actually going to take you out of the campaign for that long like so if you said if it's going to say it's going to take a week for his thing to be done he wants to get it you know what Basically, the next time he plays his character, a week of downtime is going to be a week of you know game time, right. essentially. Um, so then he would have to play other characters, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I don't know if that would feel like a punishment or not for him. I don't know. Yeah, have to yeah ask I don't know. Yeah, there's some, so, things, um, some things to chew on there. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a great game. Um, I've been having a, I've been having a ball running that, um, and I'm excited. Uh, one of the, some of the other things that I've been thinking about with that game is like, where am I going to take it? Like, am I going to keep it? I mean, I'm going to keep it in tier centered on tier. Um, but also I kind of want to start, you know, go outside of the city a little bit here. Recognize do, that the rest of the world exists. Iron lines. Right, right. Uh, you know, mess with the iron mines, mess with maybe like, there's not really been a lot of talk about, um, like client villages of tier. Mm. You know, there's gotta be some kind of, t- you know, uh, villages out there that kind of do other things for tier. Mm-hmm. Um, so messing with some of that um, and farms and whatnot. And the way I kind of also wanted to, I know this that same character, that same player that wants to, um, you know, he's got a very military kind of styled character. Um, and I think he would like to like lead some militia or some army or anything like that. Um, and I've been reading um, uh, Matt Colville's Strongholds and Followers mm-hmm. and he obliquely mentions Dark Sun. I know Matt Colville is a, a Dark Sun fan, and he obliquely mentions Dark Sun in, in, in here. And so I, that really got me thinking. Um, 
it would be cool to kind of convert some of his kingdoms and warfare stuff to um to uh to dark sunning mm-hmm. so I've, I've definitely been thinking about that here he says um he says, and we might imagine a stronghold would be a very expensive proposition on that dead world under a black star. <laughs> so that was his uh, mention of Dark Sun. Yeah. Um, and so I think that would be, uh, that might be interesting to start moving towards that. Or maybe we'll do that at higher levels. Right now, everyone's like, you know, a third to fifth level. So right. maybe once we get to something, we'll start yeah. thinking about some of that. Although you could, you could also, I mean, you, I, I'm, you can incorporate it. I haven't read the book, so I could be wrong. But it feels like mm-hmm. you could start to incorporate it at different levels too, right? So, so mm-hmm. incorporate it now where they're not, where it's not their stronghold, right? Or they're mm-hmm. not, the, they're not the movers and shakers, but they're witnessing the the impact of that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, and then five levels from now, they're they're moving up, and then eventually by high level, it's their, you know, they're the ones running uh, that are the movers and shakers. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So you could sort of incorporate it through these little moments throughout the whole campaign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. a good idea. Yeah. All yeah. Right. So they've already been sort of coming into that, like where they, they've kind of been, you know, after Kalak died, different people have taken over different, uh, uh, different sections of the city. And so they've mm-hmm. been having to go in and sort of cleanse them sort of like they, they killed a bunch of gith in one section that, that, that took it over. And so later on, if, if someone really powerful had, you know, takes over a section, you know, maybe they turn that, turn it into a stronghold, holding off the Templars and the players, and then they can sort of see how all that works. Right on. So it sounds like you got a lot of gaming going on with three different games that meet yeah. some, some t- you know, irregularly every week. Uh, we're about some of them. Yeah. The dark sun game is about once or twice a month. Okay. Um, the Waterdeep game is twice a month, and the uh, Dragon Spear Castle is supposed to be twice a month, but it's really like once a month. All right. So you, but you, you average what a game or two a week? Yeah, yeah. That's a, mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of D and D. I think you're you're living the yeah. life, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, <totally>. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. Well, we are over an hour with two people. Ha ha. Showed you, Ishmael. Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably be done fast. <laughs> um, uh, good. So we've uh, we've definitely talked through uh, all of this stuff pretty well. Um, I want to to thank uh, the other people who support the show. You can support the show directly if you don't want to go and use our Amazon or DMs Guild uh, links. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com/slash/TheTomeShow. Uh, like Leonard Pelche and Jill Sanders and Doug Palmer have. Those are some of our great patrons as well as many others. Uh, and I always go to them um, when I'm trying to figure out what I should be doing with the show and you know how often we should be doing the streaming thing or I, should I be putting them on YouTube later. Right now I am, although YouTube takes forever and I'm not prof- very proficient in it, but I th- I'm just finishing up our second, my second upload there um, after the the unboxing that Tracy and I did of the Platinum Edition of Descent into Avernus. Um, and so there'll be stuff up there too. Uh, bear in mind that you can also come and join us in the chat room for the live stream like several people have today. I think uh, we were uh, six or seven or eight people off and on in the chat um, today. Uh, and so that's that's a lot of fun to have people there to, to talk to. Uh, and so look on the Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash the Tome Show, uh, or at the Patre- Patreon if you're a patron. Uh, those are the places I post about it before we're about to record. Usually around 8.30 uh, Eastern, the night depends on whose schedules we're meeting with and whatever. 
All right. Did I talk about everything? I don't know. I might have. I usually don't do a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff on on uh, the end of behind the name screen. All right. Robert, I want to thank you a ton for yeah. coming on. It's been fun. We need to, oh, yeah. we need to have you on more often. Um, you know, for sure. I, I know at the very least, I, at the very least, when we talk about Dark Sun, I know you're my guy, right? So, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> we keep talking about. We did. Uh, I don't. Did you join us for the book club episode where we talked about the first um, Prison Pin? I book? did. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we keep talking mm-hmm. about going back and doing the second one. So uh, we might still yeah. still do that sometime and. and and tap you to join us for that too, to lead the way. Yeah. I'm sure you've read it five or six <laughs> times by now, right? Yeah, and actually, I just I just listened to all of them on uh, Audible on again Audible. recently. Yeah, sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, if people want to to find you, since you're a guest here and not one of our regulars, where where should they go to find <laughs> you? Yeah, so you can uh, find me on Twitter um, at Radu76. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I'm in the Dark Sun group. Uh, look for the big Dark Sun group on Facebook. You can find me at Athis.org, um, which is the Dark Sun website. There's arena.athis.org, which is where we chat about Dark Sun stuff. Uh, you can uh, come listen to me talk about more Dark Sun stuff uh, at the Bone, Stone, and Obsidian podcast, where I talk with uh, Wayne, uh, Wayne Chang uh, about Dark Sun. Um, and then you can, if you want to play some games with me um, or read about my Dark Sun games, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Robert Aducci. There you are. All kinds of stuff to talk about there. Uh, all right. So that's where mm-hmm. we're going to we're gonna call it uh, into the episode. So say goodbye, Robert. Bye, Robert. <laughs>